Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking up new customers with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code JOHN, J-O-H-N. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code JOHN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas. Licensed partner, Gold Nugget Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in ONT. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. <laughs> What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. Hope everyone is having a good week. Thursday night football, if you're listening to this on Thursday, is the night. Fired up for that one. We got a little Derek Carr, Trevor Lawrence, Saints, Jags. Uh, a lot on the line in this game, actually, for the Saints. So let's let's get excited. Let's get fired up, like Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet. Some interesting stuff today on the show. Anthony Richardson out for the season. Kyler Murray back. Well, kind of. Roger Goodell signs a little contract extension, and Caleb Williams making news again as well as the Middlecoff mailbag, at John Middlecoff, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and get your questions answered here on the show. Instagram DMs wide open, fire in there. And other than that, the game plan, we've had podcasts all week. Obviously, we're doing a podcast now, and we'll have a podcast tomorrow. So keeping the content flowing as we head into week six. And some good games this weekend. Obviously, Sunday night's fantastic. I will have Stucky Friday making some bets. I lost for the first time some money last weekend because Derek Carr and the Saints got kind of worked by the Houston Texans. But I plan on bouncing back. I'm going to dive into the slate a little later tonight and figure out what game I'm going to go heavy on. But other than that, DraftKings, promo code John. No free ads. They pay for that. And other than that... I think that's it. So if you listen on Colin's feed, make sure you subscribe to the three and out feed. Appreciate everyone that does. And let's rock and roll. Okay. What is going on? A lot going on football wise. Anthony Richardson says goodbye to the season. Kyler Murray says, hello. Roger Goodell is going nowhere. And Caleb Williams stories popping up left and right. We will dive into, but first subscribe to the podcast with me, John Middlecoff, three and out podcast, wherever you may listen, Apple, Spotify, we're everywhere. Uh, if you're watching this on the YouTube, make sure you subscribe to that as well. Leave a comment, smash the subscribe button, 
and thevolume.com. Thevolume.com. We got merch, three and out hats, flex fits, as well as uh, trucker hats. So go check that out. But before we dive into some meaty, meaty football talk, I wanted to tell you about a friend of the program, the official ticketing app of this show. They go by game time. If you grab your smartphone, I need you to go to your app store. Do you want to go outside? Do you want to get some fresh air? Do you live in Texas or Philadelphia? Do you want to go to the World Series? I know the two teams haven't even won yet, though a Texas team is going to win no matter what in the AL. Phillies are going to the World Series. You want to go to an NFL game? You want to go to a college game? You live in Michigan, Ohio State? You want to go check out your squad for the big game? I know it's a little while away. Use GameTime, the official ticketing app of this podcast. And when you sign up for your first pair of tickets, has interactive ticketing map with fantastic price point interactive, gives you views of where you'd be sitting, cannot recommend them enough, game time. Use the promo code John, J-O-H-N, J-O-H-N. Big hockey guy? Are you a big hockey guy? I've been to one career hockey game, and it was in a 4,000-person stadium. Now, it was the NHL, but it wasn't quite a great experience. I would recommend you going to one, better experience, MSG, LA, go see a sweet hockey team, Philly, Boston, and use my promo code, promo code John, game time, do it right now. Okay, let's dive into Anthony Richardson. When you take a big swing on a project, which I will never not support, though the draft has shown for every project that hits, 10 misses. But I have no problem in life, let alone a draft, swinging for the fences. I I respect anyone who's willing to essentially put their balls on the table and, and take a huge swing. And that's what the Colts did in this draft. And they were really good with their messaging. No one really saw it coming. They have the perfect coach for it. And they took a guy with 13 career starts. And beside the Utah game, a lot of really, really ugly tape. But as everyone told me in the league during the draft process, the more people talked to him, the more they liked him. And when you really looked at his film, there was a lot to like. And then for us, you know, casuals, uh, I watch a lot of you know college football, but I don't break it down like I once did. I'm not watching every snap of a guy in all 22 tape, and ultimately, like I talk for a living now. I'm not setting draft boards. I, I thought Anthony Richardson was intriguing the more and more I heard, and then I watched him play, not just in the preseason, but the four games. Now, a couple of those he didn't finish because he got KO'd in. It was hard to not watch him with a Colts uniform in September and not go, I get it. I see why they did it. Now, I don't know if it was going to work, and obviously it's still going to have to play itself out, but I think when he was on the field, and I'm sure in practice, they felt, we feel really, really good about this. Here's the problem. And the number one thing we talk about when you draft a guy high is the rookie contract. If he becomes Mahomes, if he becomes Trevor Lawrence, if he becomes Justin Herbert, hell, if he becomes Tua, whoever, you just have him on a cost-controlled contract at under $10 million a season. That's that's if you get the guy, obviously, really high. If you get the guy in the second or third round, it's easily the best contract in all of the sport. So Anthony Richardson, the huge benefit for him was the contract, right? And over year two and year three, you can take advantage of that with free agency signings. You have more salary cap because you're not investing it in the quarterback. But the key to make that, and I always laugh because... When the 49ers drafted Trey Lance, they never shut up about the quarterback contract. And it's like, well, if he's not good, I don't care whether you're paying him $7 or $700 million. It's kind of irrelevant. You need the guy to be good. So once Anthony Richardson started showing signs of life, it went, well, we really got something. Now we need to develop him. Because I think a lot of parallels. Now, Anthony Richardson, to me, is a much, much better prospect than Trey Lance was a couple years ago and showed way more physical characteristics on an NFL field. But like him, he hasn't played. 13 games in college. Now he's gone for the season. And a lot like Josh Allen, he needed a lot of work. And I'm a huge believer, and this goes back to where I got my, uh, got my degree, higher education, Cal Poly Mustangs. The motto of the school was learn by doing. And it's very applicable to me because I don't learn that well in a classroom. I don't learn that well on a whiteboard. I'm not huge into theories. Like, if you do this, then this will happen. If this happens, then that will happen. I'm a big believer of being in the trenches. You want a podcast? Start fucking podcasting. 
You want to start a YouTube channel? Start YouTubing. You want to run a landscaping business? Get out there and do it. You're going to make mistakes, but that's how you learn. That's how you improve. And that's how you master your craft or improve. I don't know if Anthony Richardson was ever going to master his craft, but the only way to develop as a quarterback was to play. And in football, unlike for, say, baseball or basketball, you don't have that many games. So not only are the games very important, but practice is very important. So Anthony Richardson now is going to miss however many games, right? Four minus 17. You're talking 12, 13 games. But he's also going to miss the amount of practices on a weekly basis, implementing the game plan, practicing with other NFL people, practicing against an NFL defense on a daily basis. Like the improvement that Josh Allen had from year one to year two, I'm sure if you sat down and had some beers with him, he'd say, listen, obviously the games are a big deal, but going through every single day, individual, team, group, in practice for, you know, whatever, three and a half straight months in the NFL is a really big deal. And now Anthony Richardson loses that. Now, forever, the old adage was, if you're an inaccurate player in college, you're going to be inaccurate in the pros. It's somewhat been disproven by Josh Allen, but I would still live by that kind of mindset. Inaccurate guys aren't all of a sudden going to be like, God, this guy's turned into like Drew Brees meets Steve Young. But it's clearly much easier to improve on your accuracy in modern-day football because of the rules. They can't hit any of the wide receivers. So wide receivers, I think it's fair to say, are more open now than ever before. That doesn't mean you still don't need to layer throws, throw guys open, and have accuracy to your throws. But it's not quite you know 1987 playing the Bears or the Giants here. And I think it's devastating. Obviously, Anthony Richardson, the positive on him the next several years was we got him on a cost-controlled contract and we can build a very, very good team around him. But part of doing that is he needs to be good. And you have a setback like this. When you go into next year, how can you just assume he's going to be vastly improved? Now, like everyone that watched him play, he was very impressive. But he wasn't impressive enough that like, if he was on a really good team, you were just going to make the playoffs. Right? He had a long way to go. He was not a very accurate guy. His athleticism immediately translated. To me, I understand, once you see him in an NFL jersey, kind of the Cam Newton comps. Right, Listen, he's going to miss some throws, but physically, as a runner, elite. Arm strength, elite. And just try to figure it out and coach him up as time goes. And you got Shane Steichen, who's worked with... Their attributes are, are different from Anthony Richardson to Jalen. Jalen, to me, is more of a patient runner. Has a good go ball, but I wouldn't say he has a super powerful arm. Uh, but he definitely improved dramatically over his time with Shane Sykin. That was clearly the mindset and the idea behind drafting Anthony Richardson. But this injury is a huge setback. And it, it can derail, you know, the early part of his career. There's no way around it. And uh, I, I can't you just can't sugarcoat it. It's devastating. And when he was injured and he was gonna miss the game last week, obviously this news hadn't broken yet. But to me, the moment I was flipping channels and you get to the Jags-Colts game and he's sitting there in a sling, you knew this guy wasn't coming back very soon. And I think there was a comment last week where Shane Steichen dropped a we'll see when, when he'll be back. And then obviously their kooky owner breaks the news you know, to one of the local reporters. So I feel for you Colts fans. It does in a weird way feel like you're in, you, know, you sold your soul for Peyton Manning. And it's been kind of weird ever since. Now, you did have three cool years with Andrew Luck, but then it got weird with him. And then obviously the last however many years is the revolving door before Anthony Richardson. And it still doesn't feel great right now. It's like, because can you... The one thing that's fascinating, I've always been fascinated by a couple things in sports. Like in baseball, for example, you could meet or or watch a guy that's like 6'4", 225 pounds, but he doesn't throw hard. I remember Joe Blanton was really big, but he could only throw like 90 miles an hour. And then you find some small guys like Tim Lincecum or Tim Hudson when he was younger or obviously Pedro Martinez, and they just throw gas. And a lot has to do with, you know, the muscles, maybe your fingers are a little longer, some of your tendons are a little stronger. I I don't know the exact breakdown of the body behind it, but clearly there's a reason why some big guys don't throw that hard. Madison Bumgarner never threw over 95 miles an hour, and he's, he's built like an NFL defensive end. And I've always been fascinated by guys in, in football, and I've seen it when I was in college, around Ryan Matthews. Ryan Matthews, 
you know, not naked, but like in a pair of slider kind of warm up shorts, looked like a fucking Greek god at 19, 20, 20 years old. And he did all through his NFL career. That guy is one of the biggest freaks I've ever been around college or pro. He always got hurt for whatever reason. And there were other guys, college and in the NFL, that like would get hit and just get back up. And I don't know. There's some muscle composition. Hell, look at Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is chiseled, gets injured a lot. And some guys don't. And I, the one thing you'd be concerned with Richardson, for whatever reason, I thought a couple of the hits, the concussion hit, now, concussions can be a little weird, right? How you ultimately land, you know, on the ground in your head, the whiplash. But even the the hit that hurt his shoulder, you know, looked a little innocuous. It, it didn't look like, oh, that's a that's a vicious season ender right there. That that is not how it looked. So that that would also make me a little nervous because for whatever reason, some guys are just kind of unfazed. Cam Newton's a good example. Like for a long period of time, just didn't really get injured. And then toward the end, obviously in his early 30s, it kind of took its toll. But for a long period of time, dude was a tank. And Anthony Richardson, four games in, season over. And he had another injury as well. So it really sucks. And I feel for Colts fans. I bet a lot of people listening or watching have been in an accident. I bet a lot of people have been into an intense car accident. And let's face it, not knowing who to call for help is hard. Hiring Morgan & Morgan is easy. Because Morgan & Morgan is America's largest injury law firm with over 100 offices nationwide with more than 800 lawyers. They've recovered over $15 billion for over 300,000 clients. Morgan & Morgan has a proven track record of fighting to get you full and fair compensation. They've been fighting for the people for over 35 years. Submitting an injury claim with Morgan & Morgan is so easy. That's the key. Not having representation is hard. Fighting with Morgan & Morgan is easy. If you've ever been injured, you can check out Morgan & Morgan. Their fee is free unless they win. For more information, go to forthepeople.com slash john or dial pound law, pound 529, from your cell phone. That's forthepeople.com slash j-o-h-n or pound law, pound 529, from your cell phone. This is a paid advertisement. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. 
And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Now, speaking of something that's pretty fascinating is this Kyler Murray story. Because obviously coming into the season, we all thought this team was going to suck. And while their record is not good, they're 1-5. and five. If you've watched them play, and for some reason, and it's not because I live here, I feel like I've watched the majority of the Cardinals' snaps. They've been good, man. I mean, they, they have played. Their worst game of the year was probably last week against Sean McVay, soon to be dad, who kind of kicked their ass. But for the most part, they have they played good against the Niners. They obviously beat the Cowboys. They played good for about you know two and a half quarters against the Giants. They've just played really, really hard. Now, it's easy to play hard, whether high school football, college football, or the NFL early in a season. Once you get to the point where you're like 2-10, and 10, are, are you playing as hard December 1st? Maybe not. But clearly, there's a lot of talk about them with a quarterback kind of starting over. They have a new GM. They have a new coach. And then all of a sudden, I look on social media today and I see Kyler Murray back at practice, as well as Buda Baker. Now, this doesn't mean he's going to play Sunday. They have a 21-day window where they have to activate him to the roster. And here's the thing. If Kyler Murray, obviously, we got to see how he looks at practice. We don't. We're never going to see it. But the coaching staff, if he's healthy, how his knee responds. Like, tomorrow will be a big day. I mean, if you're listening to this, it's Thursday. How his knee swelled up. So you're going to get 10-plus days of just pure evaluation. But to me, close to that 21 days, it's like, actually, he's pretty healthy. Knees responded. Looks pretty good. What do they do? You know, and Michael Lombardi talked about this in the offseason. He insinuated, he didn't report that, I don't think they're going to play him. And I think a lot of people kind of agreed, like, just don't play him. I don't see how they don't play him, right? If he's ready to go, to me, he would make a stink. Like, I'm ready. What are we doing? You're paying me all this money. Now, they're so bad, even if they played him, they probably don't win that many more games. But it is fair to say, even coming off his worst season, like last season was really, really shitty, and it felt that way when I was watching it. His numbers, you know, he's 14 and 7, 66%. Now, relative to his previous years, it looked a lot worse. But, and clearly, there's a lot of weird stuff going on with the Cardinals. But here's the thing with Kyler Murray, and, and this is what's fascinating. And I thought the moment they named him a team captain, to, I think, you know, late August. I don't know when they officially named their team captain, but it was before week one. I thought that was either two things. One, he legitimately has been an impressive guy in front of the new administration, right? When you get a new boss, when you get a new teacher, when you get a new, you know, girlfriend, you kind of get to start over. And it doesn't really matter, regardless of what people said about you in the past, if you do a good job in front of that person, if everything that you say, you back up, you know, you can turn that person into like, God, I really like this guy. I, I don't know what was going on before, but this person has been very, very impressive. This person has done everything I've asked them to do and more, gone above and beyond, right? Think how many people that you like, that you have a good relationship with, for whatever reason you get along with, interactive personally or professionally, that other people are like, God, I can't stand that guy. You're like, fuck, my interaction with the guy are great. I mean, it happens all the time. So I'm not putting Kyler past that. Because last year was such an embarrassment. The Call of Duty clause, everyone's shitting on him. Then he gets injured. Everyone gets fired. Like It was pretty ugly. So I, I do think there's a chance that he just completely kind of hit the reset button and has been acting right. Or they already knew in the back of their mind, like, Russell Wilson's not tradable. I don't care how much money Denver eats. Nobody's going to want that guy as their quarterback. They're not going to want him in their building. They just won't. It's like what happened with Carson Wentz toward the end. It was like, yeah, this guy's toxic. No one wants this guy around. Kyler's not the case. He's still really young, and he is a big-time player. And, like, say what you want about him. When he's been right, he's been really good. And when he's been right, he's been a playoff-level player. Now, here's the concerning part. Obviously, he's coming off a torn ACL, but the previous year, he missed multiple games. I think it was a shoulder injury in 2000. It would have been 2021, the year that they made the playoffs and ultimately lost to the Rams in the Monday Night Football wildcard game. So I think the big question with him, if he has just turned the corner a little bit maturity-wise, which, let's face it, men mature a little later. Like We're not, we're not super mature in our early mid-20s, even sometimes our late 20s. Hell, sometimes even in our early 30s. 
So it's not out of the realm of possibility for a guy to grow up a little bit. So I, I'm very fascinated how this Kyler Murray thing plays out. Here's what I know. If he is healthy and he wants to play, they're not going to have a choice. That They really aren't. And if for whatever reason they refuse, then obviously that would tell us everything they need to know and his time in Arizona would be over. But I have a hard time. I think the PA would get involved. It would get weird fast. And obviously Arizona's under a lot of scrutiny with the new owner. You would have to think that Drake may. Obviously Caleb would be like, I don't want to fucking go there. Uh, it could get really weird really fast. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Okay, let's dive into Roger Goodell, who just got a contract extension from the National Football League. Three years that will take him up until he's 68 years old. And I think, let's use Adam Silver as an example, because I think he's the opposite of Roger. Adam Silver, and I, I just follow a lot of you know NBA media people on social media. I know several of them from the Bay Area. When he has talked about in media circles <laughs> and the articles that are written, the way television talks about, it's very positive. He can never do anything wrong. Yet during his tenure, one of the biggest disasters we've ever seen in sports has happened. Guys don't play. What's happened? Ratings have fallen off a cliff. People do not watch the NBA how they did under David Stern when the NBA was a behemoth, went toe-to-toe with the NFL for a lot of years of my life. And now under Adam Silver, one of the softest, worst, most overrated commissioners I've ever seen. I mean, we love shitting on Bud Seeligs and Gary Bettmans. I'd put Adam Silver right there. But he's loved by the media, and specifically the NBA media, right, which is a little different than the NFL media, which is no holds bar. That they don't care, friends, family, it doesn't matter. Football is covered just a lot like politics. It's just ferocious. And one thing with Roger Goodell is while the NFL under his watch, now I'm not giving him all the credit. I've always said that Peyton Manning and Tom Brady are the Larry Bird and Magic Johnson of my generation. Football was huge. They took it into another stratosphere. Now Roger, we'll talk about some of his accomplishments, but obviously... Made some terrible mistakes, right? It's hard to ever forget the whole Ray Rice situation, the concussions, which he gets blamed for. Really, he is a guy taking all the arrows. The owners are the ones making decisions. They're the ones that have to sign off. You know when you get something delivered or something to your house and, like, we can't drop it off unless someone signs? Like, Roger Goodell, it's they're signing it. He's just out in front giving a thumbs up. So when you look at Roger Goodell, ESPN turned on him. And it became very, very negative, right? It's why they had such a poor relationship for a lot with Monday Night Football. It was like, you constantly talk shit about our league and our commissioner, and they were giving them bad games forever. It was really ugly, right? I mean, think about ESPN's biggest personality, or one of them during that time, Bill Simmons. I mean, they they were going at it. So, Roger is not very good with the media. He's the opposite of Adam Silver. Terrible with it. Doesn't have a great personality for it kind of gruff it's just not natural hell on camera he's not very natural if he was a political candidate he would be awful because when it comes to debates when it comes to just shaking hands and kissing babies he's not very smooth but when it comes to getting things done it can't really be debated how talented he is his job so when you look at what happened under roger's watch i mean from a from a negotiating standpoint they have dominated the players I mean, absolutely destroyed them in two CBA negotiations. Because the players have always, and he, I guess any commissioner could have handled this situation, they've always fought for things that don't have monetary value, right? We get mandatory day off, no double days. And the owners were always like, cool, cool, cool. More revenue for us, <laughs> right? More money for us. The owners have always been obsessed with the money, where the players get kind of emotional, like, you got to give us six days off during a bye week. Mandatory. The owner's like, cool, take it. Only three straight days during training camp and practice, no double days. You guys got it. That's another point on our side, revenue-wise. And they, they always dominated those, you know, kind of conversations. And let's face it, Roger was the head point man with the other NFL lawyers. So the Thursday Night Football, which everyone seems to talk shit about, has been a raging success. I remember before I worked in the NFL, Thursday Night Football was usually a random college football game. I couldn't tell you the last time I watched a college football game on Thursday. I'm not saying that they don't happen. They clearly do. They're just never on my television. 
just like they're never on most people's television. Why? Because even when the NFL went to streaming Amazon, a year into it, they're getting 13, 14 million people watching these games. And it's everything Roger has done financially for the league has had massive, massive benefits. Obviously, the international play, adding the game. Uh, and I'm not saying these are all his ideas, but he's been the leader. He shepherded. And the NFL hasn't separated from the other sports. It's in a different universe than the other sports right now. That There is no competition for the NFL. Honestly, there's no competition on TV for the NFL, sports or non-sports. So Rodgers clearly paid you know, a, a king's ransom. I'm sure some big J's will write articles how that shouldn't take place. Part of the deal when you run a 10, 15, $20 billion operation, that's why CEOs get paid so much money. You know, that's kind of the going rate, 40, 50, 35, whatever million dollars. And uh, listen, Roger's kind of a different cat, clearly not very smooth, but when it comes to just operations and decisions, it's hard to argue that he hasn't been one of the most successful commissioners, definitely someone my age has ever seen. And last but not least, Caleb Williams. There was a story that Florio pointed out resurfaced. I saw it for the first time. I don't remember it being written in the summer, but reading Florio's article, he claimed he broke it in you know the middle of the summer, that Caleb Williams' representation, his agents, or maybe when he was interviewing agents, one of the big things he was going to do is ask for equity in a team. And Florio wrote that, and listen, I don't blame Aaron Rodgers. I, I think looking back, one of the reasons the Aaron Rodgers trade took so long, and I don't blame Aaron at all, because anyone in any industry, when you have the opportunity to, and have leverage, you better take advantage of it. Because every negotiation or every time that you are talking money with an employer, with a partner, you're not going to have leverage. So when you do have it, you got to take advantage of it. Aaron Rodgers wanted, wanted equity in the Jets as part of the trade and his compensation. The problem is, is the NFL does not allow that. that. That is in the bylaws. It's not even possible. Which does make some sense because... What you would be able to do with a guy like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, which who knows, my Kraft and Tom Brady might have been doing it. If I'm going to pay Aaron Rodgers, let's just pick a number, $50 million. I go, hey, I'll pay you $12 million in salary, and I'll give you the other 38 in equity. And you would be able to bypass the salary cap. And then, you know, within 10 years, if that was legal, the running backs would be like, why can't we get any equity? It's like, yeah, no equity for the running backs. Uh, but... In all seriousness, I, I understand why Aaron Rodgers and his people would want that. Like, he had all the leverage. Caleb Williams' reports are, and who knows, sometimes this stuff gets lost in translation. Sometimes you just throw things out there. I, I never blame anybody for asking, what was the worst you're ever going to hear when you asked for something? No. Here's the problem for Caleb Williams. Just big picture going into this draft. You don't negotiate when you're a drafted player. Now, we'll see who gets the number one overall pick whether he wants to play there or not. And that's, if he doesn't want to, listen, that's his prerogative. Other athletes have done it. Other, one of the most famous quarterbacks of all time, John Elway did it. Obviously, Peyton's brother did it. Eli Manning, you probably heard of him too. But if Caleb wants to do that, I, I don't care. Now, it depends on who the team is. To me, the problem with some of the ways I've heard that talked about, like, you're not going to the Chiefs or the Bills. Like, <laughs> that's not an option. Like, in the NBA... It's like, I don't want forever, and listen, I saw it firsthand. No one ever wanted to go to the Sacramento Kings. It's like, God, I would love to go to the Lakers. You know, I, I would love to go to whoever, whatever good team is. Well, in, in basketball, like, multiple guys can be on the court at the same time. In football, if I got Patrick Mahomes or I got Josh Allen, like, I, not only am I not trading up to get you, you, you wouldn't even play here. But here's the problem for Caleb and just this mindset. If One thing I always heard, knowing some people who have recruited him, may have even been around him for a year, his dad plays a big role in all this, and which is not abnormal for collegiate athletes. But like, once you get to the pros, I'm sorry, GMs, owners, coaches, like no one gives a shit what your parent thinks, uh, especially if you have an aggressive parent. Even if he has some validity to some of the things you're saying, like it's a business, it's very cutthroat, and the dad, in fairness, is going to be very emotional. It's his son, so when they ask for equity, like you could ask for anything, you could ask for the fucking moon. The contract's the contract. That's the CBA. That's the NFL's business. And the business, they're not ripping up the CBA for Caleb Williams. And here's the other thing. Caleb Williams, even if you could give him equity, for every Bryce Harper, for every LeBron James, for every Peyton Manning, 
there are a ton of people in drafts in every sport that don't even come close to living up the hype. So even if I could give equity, which I can't as an owner, it wouldn't be that I wouldn't be giving it out to draft picks, right? I think you're seeing this in NIL. For every NIL guy that hits, right, a Caleb Williams, uh, Michael Penix, there are a lot of guys getting paid in college that aren't producing. And I'll promise you this, all these rich people all across the country cutting these checks, it's one thing giving you 50 grand in cash in a brown bag. It's another thing, I start paying you 500 grand and we're winning five, six games and you're not making plays, it ain't the same. But Caleb doesn't get to negotiate. That's not how rookie contracts work. Here's the rookie contract, sign it. We can, I guess, negotiate the dates of the payouts of your guaranteed money. But the contract, the money is the money. What Bryce Young got this year, no matter how much he negotiated, the number would not have changed. It's impossible for it to change. It's contractually obligated for it to be what it was. But the other thing that keeps coming out with Caleb, and listen, he's an excellent prospect. He really is. But like an all-time prospect? Hard for me to say that for a guy that's under six feet one. And listen, if I pulled all 32 GMs, said, on your draft board right now is Caleb Williams number one. I bet on the 20-plus, at least coming as we sit here on October 18th, he would be number one. But there are some teams that would have Drake May. And there's a chance, if this gets ugly, USC is going in a tough stretch of their schedule. He plays like he just did. Who knows? Maybe that number gets closer to half. I don't know. Seems unlikely. I'm not saying it's going to. But th- this guy is not. Like Trevor Lawrence, 32 teams had Trevor Lawrence number one. There, there was no close second. Right? Andrew Luck. 32 teams had Andrew Luck number one. That's not going to be the case here. So, really good prospect. But And I get this a lot from my NFL buddies. The hype machine on him sometimes gets a, jumps the shark a little bit. We just saw him against Notre Dame. It was pretty embarrassing. Not all his fault. Offensive line bad. And I'm not, this is not trying to shit on Caleb Williams. But this negotiation, like we're going to want equity, which again, story that Florio reported. But just the overall notion, there, there is no negotiation when you're a rookie. Here's the contract. This is what you get. But the one negotiation that will be very quick, could he go back to school? Like could USC round up $10 million? Yeah, maybe they could. Do you know how much Bryce Young got the moment he signed his contract? $37 million. That's how much Bryce Young's four-year contract guaranteed. And at signing, I think within 14 days, he got like $25 million to sign. So even if you get, my God, I gave him $10 million to return. It is not better than what the NFL gives you. And here's the other thing the NFL gives you. If Caleb gets drafted and becomes a good player, the moment you start your clock, it's faster to your second contract. So the conversation around Caleb, I got to admit, is kind of getting a little exhausting. I'm sure some of you that are listening saw the clip of the Notre Dame guy, the fan that ran on the field, which, listen, I I would never have a problem if a fan ran on the field, started screaming at a player, and the player fucking decked him. Like, I'm sorry, you run on the field, you're talking shit, it's free game. So if, if that ever happens, I'm cool with it. But the fan did run up to him and say what he did last year, which he was constantly doing, which is something that is a pretty big red flag. He wrote, fuck Notre Dame, just like he wrote, fuck Utah, when he got beat twice. Now, I don't think he's doing that anymore, but, you know, let's just, I I think we need to pump the brakes on some of these salacious stories around Caleb, and he's just the greatest thing since sliced bread. Really good player, really good prospect. Start asking asking for equity. It's like, bro, you're not Patrick Mahomes yet. Like, you got to prove it. Like, that's part of getting to the big leagues. Plus, it's not even an option. You might be a pro when it comes to what you do, but we can't all be pros at everything. Take home repairs, remodeling, and renovations. That's not something you want to trust to anyone but a skilled professional. Angie's List is now Angie. Connect with a local pro. Tackle jobs big and small inside and out. Decks, leaky faucets, maybe redoing a kitchen. I know I can relate. It's not easy and you want people you can trust. The Angie app offers robust tools so you can research and connect with local pros who come highly rated and recommended by people right in your neighborhood. All with a few taps of a button. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. G-I dot com.
Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to Stan, the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. <laughs> Okay, let's dive into a little mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Fan of the pod, almost four years. Like this guy. My question is about Caleb. While he is an undisputed talent, what do you think about his character? So far, he has rubbed me the wrong way with him cussing out his opponents on his fingernails. And now the talk about possibly picking his own team and even wanting a percentage of ownership. Am I crazy, or is it possible Caleb's character might be in question? Also, if it's true he has character issues, would teams considering taking Drake May over him? I've never heard that his, like to me, character issues are bad guy, bad teammate, obviously anything with the law. I have not heard any of that. And like I just mentioned, his dad plays a role in all this. So some of the picking his own team, uh, obviously the equity is coming from Pops. Now, the fingernail thing was an embarrassment. It, it really was. Like, that, that fingernail thing was bad. Now, he's he's not doing it anymore. So that's, when you're doing something bad, you have to end it. For, you have to cut it off and stop doing it. And he did it. So, to me, the stuff about the equity, and I'm putting more on his dad. Now, eventually, once the season ends, like it is on him to talk. Like it's, you, you're grown up now. Like you, you're going into the NFL. It'd be on him to say, "Listen, uh, take some ownership in anything that his dad is kind of forcing on him." It, you're in college, whatever. But it, I think there's going to be some, a lot of question marks during the draft process with some of this stuff with him. Some of the off the field uh, storylines, right? Like you said, the like we just talked about the equity. Uh, picking your own team, depending on who's number one. The reason I've heard that Drake May has a chance to compete to be the number one pick is just size. Like, Drake May's talent is really, really good. Caleb's just short. Now, unlike some other short players, Caleb's big. Caleb's thick. My guess, he weighs 220 pounds. But he's a shade under 6'1". And the other guy is 6'4". 
So th- that to me is why if they were the same size, Caleb would be Drake May wouldn't have a chance to go over him. But like there's a reason looking back Justin Herbert over to it. Now obviously Caleb is w- much more physically gifted and it feels like I'm shitting on Caleb because listen, I, I like I said last week, you're allowed to have a bad game. Now he had a really bad game. His offensive line was terrible. And I think I saw a quote. Where did I read this? I was reading something today. Maybe it was on The Athletic. That a, The way a scout... Des- oh, it was Bruce Feldman's article. That a scout described to him that when you watch Caleb, it feels like he's trying to hit a five-run home run every at-bat. And in fairness to him, his team kind of sucks. And it's not his fault that Lincoln Riley's recruiting and defensive coordinator are pretty terrible. So he kind of has to hit you know grand slams. But he definitely has forced the issue last week and it was ugly now big game against Utah like part part of the best part about being a prospect is like we get you get evaluated off the tape off the games big freaking week this week you're playing Utah one of the best defenses in the country one of the best coaches in the country they beat you twice last year twice I mean you were going to the playoffs KO'd you out of the playoffs they beat you in the regular season destroyed you in the uh, conference championship game this is a big fucking game. If I was a team that had a chance to be the number one pick, Ryan Poles, who are my Sean Payton, I guess he can't go, but George Payton, who probably won't be there. If I was, <laughs> I don't know who the Broncos would send. Uh, who else is in the mix? The Patriots. I fell Jack Hill's their GM. Maybe send Jonathan Kraft. I would be at this game. I would want to get a live look, Caleb Williams, in this game. One, because he's coming off a bad loss. And two, they're just playing a big-time opponent. Defensively, at least. Gotta say, I love this time of year. I drive to my clients all day, so I appreciate the content. I do not personally believe this, but did we witness the end of Purdy? I remember watching Kaepernick and thinking he can't be stopped. Now I'm worried the same thing with Purdy, his arm limitations. Sorry. Here's the thing with Purdy. It was very, very alarming not because he struggled. Their defense is elite. One guy for a half has played well against them, and that's Lamar Jackson. Everyone else has gotten punked. To me, the alarming part about Purdy was, why couldn't he grip the ball? It wasn't a torrential rain, you know, rainstorm. It was raining, but not crazy. Brock Purdy didn't play at San Diego State. He didn't play at Hawaii. He played at Iowa State. I would imagine Ames, Iowa has some pretty terrible weather. I, bet he, I thought he'd be used to, and I know he has smaller hands, but be comfortable in just rougher conditions. And he was not at all. He couldn't grip the ball. He had an awful fumble that he got lucky to recover. He had a stretch in the middle of the game where throws were going all over the yard. So I, I, I'm not concerned with him as a player in terms of just playing a normal game. Like this week, they're playing... Who are the Niners playing? Oh, they're playing Minnesota on Monday Night Football in Minnesota in a dome, he'll be fine. Most of the game in San Francisco, he'll be fine. Playing L.A. in a dome, Arizona in a dome, fine. But what happens if, you know, they're not the one seed, the Eagles are, and you got to go to Philly late January, and it's awful weather? Can you not grip the ball? So end of them, by no means, I would go that far. But I do think there was a massive, massive red flag that came up in that game. And listen, it's, it's so funny to me, and maybe this is just like a Twitter thing, that everyone freaks out when we talk hand size during draft process. I always think it's so disingenuous when everyone freaks out about people talking about players' character during the draft process. Now, you could argue, should it get leaked out or not, but the media is the one doing the leaking out. Like, if the team's telling you, you don't have to report it, but of course you report it because you know it's interesting. And the reason people are telling you, because it's a really big deal. I have to know your character when I'm going to pay you a ton of money. If you owned a business and you were about to pay a 23-year-old $20, $30, million, you would want to do a pretty extensive background check on the individual. And when there are questions, you would have concerns. So I, I think the same thing when it comes to like random things in football. Does the 40-time make or break you as a player? Of course not. But if you run slow and you also play slow, it's going to be hard for you to be good at football. Keenan Allen's a good example. Not very fast if you just put him on a track. But he's he's a, he plays fast. He's a very savvy football player. Devontae Adams is a faster version of Keenan. Also, not a blazer, but his play speed's fantastic. 
But when some guys run slow, and then you also had some questions about them on tape play speed, it's okay to go, yeah, I don't feel comfortable on the on the uh, 40 time. It, it's a red flag for me. No different than hand size. At quarterback, you're literally the guy holding the ball every single play. And depending on where you play, it's not as big a deal if you're a dome team. It's not as big a deal if you're a West Coast team or a Southern team. But if I'm in New England or I'm the Buffalo Bills or I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers, I... I I got to I got to really do a deep dive if you have small hands because a lot of our games are going to be not sunny and 88 outside. What letter grade would you give Gudikins time in Green Bay? He moved on from Rodgers. Packer look like a mid to low tier team at this point, but the defense has been highly invested in and has not shown up. I would say a B minus because right now it looks a little sketchy. Right, their players on defense. Now, I think a lot of people point to their defensive coordinator, which would not be his hire. It would be the coaches. But clearly, they've drafted a lot of guys on defense that have either struggled to stay on the field or have not lived up to the hype. Now, you can still write out this season, but he is going to be judged on one move and one move only. If half the defensive guys become scrubs, who cares? If Jordan Love is good, he's going to get an A. If Jordan Love is bad... He won't get fired. They will be given the opportunity to make another move. But it is no guarantee that he can last a couple years after that. And I would say Jordan Love right now is a major question mark. Obviously, he's struggled the last couple weeks. But the reason Ted Thompson became a fucking legend is because he moved on from Brett Favre and he went to Aaron Rodgers. And it's not just because he went to Aaron Rodgers. It's because Aaron Rodgers became a Hall of Famer. So when you make these moves, which are hard to do, you better be right. Why did Bill Walsh, like, oh, champion, great guy, legend, went from Joe Montana to Steve Young and had that idea in, like, 86. So when you can foresee things, even Belichick, like, he was he was on Jimmy Garoppolo, but then he traded him. So I, I would say right now, B-, minus because I, I do give him credit for the way he handled the Aaron Rodgers situation and obviously gets credit for, you know, being a big part of hiring LaFleur, who helped resurrect Roger's career, but he's, you know, the grade is going to be determined really over the next, I would say, three years. If this year ends and they got major questions on Jordan Love and they don't win a lot of games, I think the offseason is going to be, do you draft a quarterback? Do you move on from Jordan Love? And I think that would be on the table, and then he'll get judged on who he drafts. I, I do think he can overcome missing on Jordan Love, especially if they only win four or five games this year and he drafts Michael Penix or whoever, and that guy becomes good. But the pressure would get amplified if Jordan Love sucks. Wondering what your thoughts on are how to fix a sinking ship that is my Carolina Panthers. I think Bryce could be like a shittier version of Tua, or dare I say Breeze. Put this guy in a Shanahan-like system, and I think you'd see him fly. I loved him in college. I I really did. And I watched, I'd say, 80% of his games. I don't, I don't watch when Bama plays, you know, Podunk State and the School of the Mines. But their SEC games, obviously the playoff games, the national championship game a couple of years ago, even when they lost, I thought was his most impressive performance. So, Frank, listen, I, no guy, and listen, I understand Tepper meddling, hands and everything, but let's face it. Frank just gave up play calling duties. Now, who knows? Is that even his choice? Dave Tepper make him do it to Thomas Brown. Maybe we'll see more. Their offensive personnel is pretty limited. Obviously, if he had a better offensive personnel around him and a better offensive play caller, he would look better. I do think the jury's out on him, though. His size is a major question mark. And the coaching staff, I mean, is this a coaching staff that's a lock with how rich their owner is, how edgy their owner is, how desperate the owner is to be there in three years? So Bryce might have just been your classic guy that goes to a disastrous situation. Uh, I, I don't blame you for not giving a hope. You, you never, I mean, you can't. Even, I don't care how bad a guy's rookie year is, you can never write a guy off. Troy Aikman, Peyton Manning, I'm not saying Bryce going to be those guys, but Google what their you know first year in the league look like. So I, I would say, I, I just think there's some pressure on the coaching staff to just show some signs of life. Because what really sucks and you could argue nothing sucks more 
then when you just constantly lose, constantly lose, it's like we're going to have the worst record in the league and you don't have your pick. That's hard to shake, man. Even though I know, we all know why they did it, but let's face it, I understood why they traded Christian McCaffrey last year, but Christian McCaffrey sure looks damn good to me on the 49ers. Are we we sure we couldn't have traded Brian Burns and kept DJ Moore for Bryce Young? Like, Do you think if they had a redo, they would have traded one of the defensive linemen, but specifically the pass rusher, and just kept DJ on the team? Probably what I would have done. Now looking back, I'm curious about your thoughts of the New York Giants. You expected them to build on last year's success, but they have clearly taken a step back, and it seems obvious Daniel Jones and his contract will not be with the uh, New York Giants long term. His cap hit next year is $47 million, and it doesn't seem plausible for the Giants to cut him until the 2024 season. You are, you are correct, sir. His dead cap hit would be $69 million after this season, only $22 million after 2024. My question, after Week 6, the Giants would currently be picking number 5 overall, considering their remaining schedule, Commanders twice, Jets, at the Cowboys, Eagles twice, and the Rams, I could easily see the Giants ending the year 4-13. Or worse, all but securing a premium pick. Even if Daniel is destined to stay on the 2024 roster, do the Giants have to take advantage of the quality quarterback class and draft the new quarterback? When the Morris hired Shane and Dayball, after going through the disaster that was Judge, uh, what's his name, the GM, and before that, Shermer, they entrusted a lot in those two guys, and they gave them the option to decide on Daniel Jones. And they decided not to pick up his fifth-year option. And then sometimes success, just like a game, right? If you win a game, it band-aids some of your problems. Just because you win the game does not mean you play good, does not mean your team is good. You might have just got, they fumbled twice, and their quarterback threw a pick. No different than last year was very, very impressive coaching job. But when you look, like it's not like Daniel Jones threw for 37 touchdowns. Threw at 15. Now, he definitely looked competent, and I believed he could kind of become like Alex Smith, but then you watch him this year, just unravels, doesn't look good. So one of their great regrets, I would imagine, internally is they felt pretty good. They had years of film, and then they were around the guy, and he's clearly likable. You know, I I don't probably follow the team as closely as you reading daily articles, but his work ethic, how early he's in the building, how just... I mean, even when they were trying to negotiate the contract, he was in there every day working out. Like, coaches love that shit. And sometimes that clouds their judgment because God is like, I love this kid. Well, yeah, but is he good enough? Is he good enough, guys? And then when they gave him the contract, it was pretty crazy. I would have just franchised him. Pretty devastating move now looking back. But I don't think you have a choice. If you have the opportunity to take another quarterback that you like, Again, it's, it's one thing to like, just take a quarterback. Well, do I like one of the quarterbacks? Because that was always Chris Ballard's thing. Everyone's been screaming at him to draft a quarterback. Well, they were never drafting high enough. He's like, oh, I don't want, like one of these quarterbacks highly enough. Now, you could say, he, I'm sure he missed on some guys, but still. You have to, to draft a quarterback, you got to like the guy. Uh, so I, I would say that they knew, they knew the answer to the test, and then they got fooled a little bit during the season and then they emotionally were stuck in the the owner. Because really, the owner doesn't care w- w- in terms of explosive player, you know, explosive plays, how great it looks. If, if you're winning 9, 10 games and going to the playoffs, John Maher is going to be happy, especially with how embarrassing his team had been. So, And he had always liked Daniel Jones because of everything off the field he stands for and how hard he works. And he's like rooting for the guy because he is invested in, in his success, literally financially, they drafted him really high. So he, he wanted to give him a second contract. It's like he was yearning for a reason. And then once Joe Shane and Brian Dayball gave the thumbs up, God, that was a bad move, though. Been listening for a few years. Appreciate you talking like a real human with a few good F-bombs in each episode. I'm a lifelong Chiefs fan, but went to school with Tyler Zenter, who kicked in the first four games for the Houston Texans this year. My question revolves around the wages for a part-time rookie. If Tyler was released after four games, did he still qualify to make the league minimum? Or is it short-term stint like that classified under a different pay structure? Keep up the great work, man. Well, when you're a vested veteran, it's why so many vets get cut 
at the top, final 53. Because if you've been in the league for over four years, I think it's, it's a certain amount of service time. And you are on my roster week one, and let's just pick a number, $3 million. You're like a starting guard for me. And you've been in the league six years, and you make my roster. And then four games in, you're playing like shit, and I cut you. That $4 million was guaranteed the moment you're on the roster week one. That's why a lot of veterans get cut before week one. They get beat out by younger players. Because I don't have to guarantee a rookie's contract. He's basically on a week-by-week contract. Now, every week he's on the big roster, whatever the rookie minimum is, you know, $800,000 divided by 18, he got that over four weeks. But I can cut him at any moment. And beside his signing bonus, if I, I, don't, I would imagine your guy, I'll be honest, I don't know much about the Houston kicking situation, but let's just say he got a $20,000 signing bonus when I signed him as an undrafted free agent rookie, he obviously got to keep that, but he was not guaranteed the eight hundred and fifty grand or whatever the the contract was, you know, the minimum for the season. So when you are on that rookie contract and you have don't have a certain amount of service time, you can get cut at any moment. You, you can no different practice squad. Like these practice squad players now make a couple hundred grand, but it's a week by week thing. And sometimes you get cut not even because they don't like you, just because a couple guys went on injured reserve, they had to sign some other guys, they had to move some. It's a numbers game. So, yeah, I mean, he got more money than most people that he went to college with, I would imagine, through, uh, through 2023. But in terms of what he could make, uh, he basically only got a little under a quarter of that. Again, I'm just picking the number. I don't know the exact. might be 795 grand. It could be 825 grand, whatever that number is. He does not get the whole thing, no. It's a good question. Okay, last question. This is a question for the pod. With the athletic article that came out about Michael Bidwell today, none of it was bombshell. Agree, I thought it was kind of overrated. But we are waiting on his arbitration case with former assistant GM Terry McDonough and the whole burner phone situation. Do you think Arizona loses any draft picks over this? And is it possible Goodell forces Bidwell to sell? I've said forever, I think they would desperately like the two desert teams with powerful ownership. I think they would love to get super rich guys in Vegas and in Scottsdale. These markets are booming. Uh, obviously, they could be huge cash cows for the league. And the two owners, Bidwell and Mark Davis, kind of give them some problems. Bidwell, obviously, is a running joke. His dad was a joke. The franchise has been a joke for the most part under his family's leadership. While Al Davis fought a lot with the league office, Al Davis is a Hall of Famer. And the Raiders, you know, are a much bigger brand than the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know the legalities, if they can kick him out over the burner phone, but if they can, they will try. I think they would love to boot him. The Phoenix Suns sold for $4 billion to Matt Ishbia. $4 billion. If the Suns are worth that, what are the Arizona Cardinals worth? They should be worth, if the Suns are worth four, they should be worth 10. Now, they won't go for 10. But there aren't even that many people that could afford 10. Uh, I mean, the, honestly, the list is probably like 20. They would even be interested. Honestly, it could be like five. But it's, could you sell the, to me, you could sell the Raiders. If you did open bidding, I think $10, $10 billion, definitely over eight. The Cardinals probably easily get over six. Honestly, the only downfall, one thing the Raiders have that the Cardinals don't is the Raiders Stadium is just an incredible location on the Strip. The Cardinals Stadium's out in, you know, BFE. If somehow, I've said this forever, part of where this Indian casino is, Talking Stick, there's a Top Golf right there. If somehow you could do a deal with the Indians and build a stadium right in that vicinity, to me, it would be the same thing as Vegas. It would be an incredible location. It'd be awesome. Now, obviously, they're not going to get away from all state insurance arena or stadium or whatever the hell it's called, but State Farm Stadium. The location stinks. But I, I think they would desperately like Bidwell to leave. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back after Saints Jacks. Big game for Derek Carr. Big game for Derek Carr. Very, uh, very fascinated to watch this one. Talk to you soon. See ya. The volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, 
That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.